0: Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 1045 a.m. and 5 p.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. If you don't know who I am, my name is Tim, and I hang out with the youth group. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here. and work with the middle school and high school students and all the uh, kids that play music up there as well. And uh, it's a blessing to be here with you in this 2020 year, and I hope that you had a great Christmas, great New Year's, and uh, recently I got my glasses readjusted, which helps um, seeing, and it reminded me of a couple things, it reminded me uh, of eye exams growing up, you guys remember those, you'd walk into a dark room, you sit down, might be a little awkward because you don't know who's touching your face and you put your face on one of those little face cushions, and then, and then the, the, the ophthalmologist, I think that's what they're called, they put something on your face, right? One of these things, right? And they, they go, one or two. One or two. And I'm like, how about three? One or two. And they're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to check for something, right? They're checking for if you've got good visual acuity, okay? the sharpness, the ability to see, Right? Now, for me, in, in that dark room with my face on the face cushion, then they start asking a question. Okay, now, now which one can you see? And I, I think I got a picture of one of those Snellen charts. You guys remember one of these pictures? It has a big E on it. <laughs> and and they, they, uh, there you go, right? Hopefully that's not bringing back some PTSD for you. But... <laughs> In the room, they, they say, okay, now, I want you to read the lowest line. And for me, my competitive side came out. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to squint. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to s- just adjust my face so I can see the lowest one because I want to prove to them that I can see the lowest one. Well, um, what I came to find out is that I couldn't see the lowest line and that uh, as, I, as I grew older, maybe like some of you, uh, your, your eyesight became worse and worse. And at one time, I had 2010, which means that I could see... Uh, What most people could see at, just at 20 feet, um, they would have to see it at 10. I could see it further back at 20 feet, and that's when I was younger. Now I have 20, 25 in my right eye, and then my left eye is just completely messed up. It's like, I just checked, it's 2,200, so I'm blind in my left eye, basically, okay? Now why do I bring this up? Well, through uh, the advancement of medicine and science, we have LASIK surgery that can solve and and really... uh, um, speak to a lot of the issues with our eyesight, nearsightedness, farsightedness, need for reading glasses. And As we begin this year of 2020, I want to take our eyes, sit them on scripture, and ask this question, what is God's vision for us as we begin this new year? What's God's vision for us as we begin this new year knowing that he could be coming back soon, that he could be coming back soon? He wants us to see clearly what's his vision for our lives, knowing he's coming back soon. Would you all stand with me and open up God's Word here this morning? We're diving right in to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read this together. Starting in verse 1. And it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now, he who prepared us for this purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And just like the song that we sang today, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have is our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Believe those things that are going to happen one day? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the word. And God, I pray that, that we do see clearly as we begin this new year, that we have your vision, knowing that you're coming back soon, that we see clearly what you want us to be about, and then we listen to what you have for us today. Thank you, God, so much. We love you and praise things in your name. Amen. You can be seated. And as you are seated, pull out your notes here. Got a little ba- a bit of background information for us as we begin this passage. It says this, Paul had started a Jesus community in Corinth around 8050 to fifty two. And we find that in Acts 18. This band of believers heard the gospel and believed on Christ for salvation, but soon thereafter ran back to their sinful ways. Now, after a painful visit in 2 Corinthians 2.1, Paul wrote another letter to them, expressing his desire for them to turn to their Savior. 2 Corinthians, the passage that we're reading today, this letter, is most likely actually the third letter that Paul wrote to this group of believers. He spent a lot of time talking to them. And he wrote to this group of believers that had been questioning his apostleship, ability to minister, pastor, and lead. He could, he could have given them a long list of all his qualifications, but instead he pointed to Christ and showed that like Christ, who suffered and was oppressed, so too he was qualified to speak because of the suffering he underwent as well. It wasn't his verbal prowess, bank assets, or amount of letters behind his name that equipped Paul to pastor, but rather that Jesus had been seen in his weakness And again, today's goal is to find from God's Word what His vision is for us in 2020, knowing He's coming back soon. Our first point that we don't want to forget here this morning is this, and we'll say it a couple times. We will see clearest when we long for what we've never seen. We will see the clearest here in 2020 when we long for what we've never seen. Now, if you think back to Paul's growing up, okay, if you think back to his growing up, most Jewish young boys, they learn a trade. And Paul, he learned how to make tents. As Jesus learned how to make things with his hands as a carpenter, Paul learned how to make tents. And he learned this, why there was a purpose back in the day for the Hebrew community, as they were nomadic by nature, and they were moved about quite a bit, that they needed tents. And so, stitch after stitch after stitch, you can imagine Paul growing up, making all these tents for these people who he might meet or might never see, knowing that they would be protected, be protected, and one day looking forward to that safety. And in verse 1, he uses this metaphor and this picture here describing our bodies. Read it again with me. It says, for we know... And that word "know" there—it's not an experiential knowledge. No, this is—he's getting divine revelation from God. So this is different than what we experience. For we know that if the earthly tent, okay, our physical bodies, which is our house, right, is torn down. For we know that if this body dies, it's torn down, dissolved. That we have a building from God eternal, resurrected, glorified body that we'll receive someday. You see, he's setting our vision already up. He's setting it already to the future. And this building from God, it's a house not made with hands, uh, lowercase h, but it's eternal in the heavens. This building, this house from God, would be made in his image, in his likeness. Why? Because he's the artist of this house. And it would be you see it eternal in the heavens. This body would never, will never fail you, and it will never become frail. This body that we are to receive one day, if you know Christ personally, doesn't have an expiration date. There will be no more pain, no more tears. There will be no more co-pays, no more caskets, and no more cancer. This body that you and I will receive someday, if you know Christ personally, that it will be made by the hands of God who fashioned and made the entire universe in seven days, and then those very hands that died on the cross and those very hands that hold your soul, he's going to then usher you into eternity and say, this is what I made for you. This is your new body. Now, you know what my response to hearing those words is to go like this. Amen. Oh, right? We sigh. We go, how long? Now, you're like, you're 34. You, don't, you shouldn't be sighing that much, okay? Okay. I got my own, you know, clicks and ticks in my body, too. Okay, we all have them, and we sigh and we groan. And you know who also does that? Paul. And in the very next verse, he expresses that. He says this in verse 2, For indeed, in this house we groan, we murmur, we sigh. Why? Because we long to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We desire, we can't wait to be clothed with this heavenly body. Because the heavenly artist is preparing for us a heavenly body one day. And he continues this theme, and he says, Inasmuch as we, or saying, assuming that you put on this, having put it on, you will not be found naked. Because if I've placed my faith in Christ, I'm going to experience this. But if I haven't, I will be found naked. I won't get this heavenly body. I'll be cast forever separate from him in a real place called hell. And going back to the image in verse 4, he says, For indeed, while we're in... This tent, we groan. You see that theme? We groan. Being burdened, being oppressed, being afflicted, going through persecutions and problems. Because we don't want to be unclothed. He's saying, I'm not going to try to speed up this process by suicide. I'm not going to try to just get out of jail free card and say, you know what? I'm done with this life. I want to go to the next. He's not saying that. Because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed. His greater desire is this new body so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. That the thing that completely will overwhelm us one day, a new body, a new experience, seeing Jesus face to face, will overwhelm the momentary light afflictions that we experience. And so then we say, well, prove it, Paul. Give me, give me a little something. Prove it that this is going to happen someday, right? I mean, you said, for we know at the beginning. This is divine revelation. We'll prove it. Give me, give me a little, you know, throw me a bone. And he does in verse 5. He says, now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Or in other words, he gave the Spirit as a down payment. Why? Because all our tents, all us tents, all our bodies, Jesus said, I want that tent. I want that tent. Wait, wait, you want that tent? You, you know it leaks, right? You, <laughs> you, know, you know it's like got bad like air conditioning, and man, it's kind of... It's not worth much. You want that one? And he says, yeah, I want that one. And I'm going to fill that tent with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give it life. I'm going to give it life. Now, that word groaning and that word longing, those spoke to me as I read this passage. And there was a time in my life, as I can uh, um, imagine in your life, when there, there have been times of great groaning or great longing. And a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to share the story in my wife and my life in which we lost our first son, Ezra. And it was amazing to see um, that was seven years ago when we did lose our son. And it was amazing to see month after month, year after year, how God used that little boy in other people's lives. Countless couples um, going through similar circumstances of losing a child. Um, Asking, hey, how, how, how do you go through that? Now, I, it's not like I'm, I had it figured out. Um, but God allowed those conversations to take place. And I learned things from them, even as they went through those times. We had opportunities to share at, the, at a local hospital, about 10 times t- in a secular scene, about what we went through. And that was recorded and then sent to a national conference. And thousands of nurses and, and practitioners uh, heard that story. Now, why do I tell you that? To say, great job? No. I tell you that because we saw God's hand move in that season, but yet still on the inside, when after we lost our child, we still had a longing. We still groaned. Why? Because our hands were still empty, right? Now, we found our rest, and we found our purpose in God, but yet we still longed for a child. We still groaned to hear the coo and see the wiggles and change the diapers, Right? We had to go through a season in which could we get pregnant again. And then when we did, were we just going to lose the child again because we had never experienced what it was like to be parents. And by God's grace, on October 27th in 2013, we met our little girl named Nora. And that's a praise God. But longing, that longing, we can all relate to that. I long to see someone. I long to be in a in a different relationship. I long to be in a different place in life. And that's a human experience that we all can share and isn't one that God says is bad. Paul never condemns his readers for groaning and longing. Did you see that? He never said, hey, just sterilize your entire life and just be so heavenly minded that you'd be no earthly good. Just, Just ignore your jobs, your landscaping, your schoolwork, your vacations, your doctor visits. Just ignore that. Just be so heavenly minded that you'd be of no earthly good. He never says that once. Now what Paul here, he's bringing up this groaning and longing because he's helping us to ask a question of what are you longing for? What do we long for? And that's our question here this morning is what are you longing for here in 2020? What are your eyes longing for? What is your heart desiring here in this year where are your affections placed? What dominates your thoughts? What are you planning for this year? What part does heaven and Christ coming back play in your desires? Or have your feet, has, have our feet become so cemented in this earth that we only long for things that will leave, that are temporary, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, as Jesus said? Have we become so cemented that our longing is for the temporary? Or is because Jesus is coming back and that we know that we're going to get a new, resurrected, heavenly, glorified body one day, that our longing is for him, that that then spurs us on to action in this life, knowing he's given us a purpose and a calling to love God, to love others, and to reach the world. If our devotion is correct, our desires will follow. If our devotion is correct, devotion to God, our desires and our calling will follow. What are you longing for in 2020? What are you longing for? This first heavenly vision, I believe, what Paul wants us to get at is we will see clearest when we long for something that we've never seen. The second one is this. We will see clearest in 2020 with our eyes shut. We'll see clearest in 2020 with our eyes shut. And you say that's a contradiction. It is. But hold on. Read with me in verse six. It says, therefore, and we know therefore, we always look back, right? Therefore, in light of that God's the heavenly artist, that, that he's the heavenly tent maker, that he chose us, he's the purchaser of our tent. He's given us the Holy Spirit as the down payment. Therefore, in light of all these things, being always of good courage, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, how is that encouraging? How is that of good cheer that, that we're absent from God, even though we're home here? Well, you remember, who's in your tent? God, the Holy Spirit. Though I might not see Jesus face to face, He lives inside of me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, that He lives inside of me and not a place, but a person And so therefore, I can be encouraged, and I can be cheerful and confident. For in verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Because we are of good cheer in verse 8, I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Paul, after his entire testimony of persecuting, pushing, and uh, chasing Christ followers, then comes to know Jesus, and his entire testimony is now saying, hey, follow him. He says, I still want to be with Jesus. But he gives us a promise here that we can hold on to. Did you see it? To be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. This is a foundational truth of the Christian belief that once we take our last breath, we are immediately with him in heaven. Immediately. There's no soul sleep here. There's no experiencing some ethereal, ghost-like experience. No, there's nothing. It's you take your last breath, and you're with Jesus. I hold on to that. If you've lost a loved one, you hold on to that hope. Not based upon any experience that you can see, but with your faith. And as we're read by this, we're struck with this confidence. But again, I have to ask Paul, what's the basis for your confidence? What gives you this confidence? And to help us see that, we're going to shut our eyes, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Now, you maybe have seen this image in your notes. I want you to look at this. You maybe have seen this. You might not have. But even if you had, it's, it's, it still kind of racks my brain, okay? The way that God made our eyes and made our memories, uh, he, there's little tiny rods and cones in our eyes. And if you've ever been to Best Buy or somewhere where they sell televisions and they they have like a a TV screen that's been left on way too long on like one, like the start menu for, I don't know, uh, Lord of the Rings or something, it's been like stuck there and then it has something else playing behind it. You can still see an image there, even though something else is playing. Our eyes and our minds work the same way. So what I want you to do is I want you to stare at those four little dots for 30 seconds. Okay, try not to blink. Okay, I know it's going to be hard. But stare at those little dots on your notes for like 40 seconds. I would encourage you to look at the screen because that might be a big picture, okay? Look at, look at the picture on your notes for, for 30 seconds, those four little dots. And then at the end of 30 seconds, close your eyes. Okay, you guys see it? Now, let me just tell you, we did not see Jesus, but we saw a picture of Jesus, okay? Is that okay to say? Don't want to get in trouble, okay? Y'all just saw a picture of Jesus. Now, this is to prove the point in, in a couple ways. Now, when we just look at this image, there's just a bunch of dots, some random lines, some bubbles, I have no idea what that looks like. It might, maybe a heart or whatever. And then when I stare at it, when I look full in this picture, and I close my eyes, everything becomes clear. Everything becomes comprehensible. Something that was obscure, something that didn't make sense, then I shut my eyes, and in a moment, I get it. I get it. This is called an afterimage for all those science friends out there. This is the same way with our Christian walk. True? What Paul is getting at here is that he wants us to close our eyes. He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to look to heaven and the entrance with faith and not by sight. We trust God with a couple things. We trust God that he created the entire universe that he resurrected from the grave, that he can change dead people into alive people, that he will one day rapture and take us to be with him. We trust him by faith that those things are going to happen. Now, this isn't a blind faith. Okay, We've heard that phrase. This isn't a blind faith saying, oh, you just believe in that Jesus stuff, and you can't base it on anything. No, there's archaeological proof. There's extra-biblical proof. There's bibliographic proof. There's experiential proof, because you sitting next to people have been changed by Jesus. There's proof all over the place. But why is that proof there? To encourage your faith. It's to encourage your faith that this is true. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we are truly honest with ourselves, we struggle to close our eyes in this Christian walk. We struggle to close our eyes. We struggle to pray and walk by faith, and we prove this by how we spend our money, by how we try to fix relationships, by how we vote. We struggle to close our eyes and to walk by faith and say, God, I want your direction in my life. And what we do, instead of closing our eyes and walking by faith, is we grovel, as one theologian said. And if you don't know what the word grovel means, it literally means getting on your knees and begging, whatever it might be, saying, please provide for me. Please, please, job, provide for me peace. Please, bank account, provide for me peace. When in reality... The truth of it is, this is the posture that we should be in. The only difference is, is with our eyes shut. In prayer. That's the only difference. Paul says that we would walk by faith and not by sight. That we'd walk by faith and say, God, who I don't see, you see me. And you see my plight, you see my situation, you see my struggling teenager and what they're walking through. You see the addiction that's taking place in their life. God, I don't know how to help them. I need your help. God, you see my empty bank account. You see the mistakes that I've made, the choices that i made, and I feel like that that's all that's going to, that I'm defined by that. God, I don't know how to get help. I don't know how to get out. God, I feel like no one sees what I'm doing for my mom and my dad. They're about to die and I feel like I'm aimlessly going day after day serving and helping my ailing parent. God, I don't feel like this is doing anything. And the God who's unseen sees your situation. He sees what you're walking in, and he's calling you and I in 2020 to walk with eyes closed. Amen. To walk with eyes shut, with the faith completely trusting him, saying, God, you're going to take care of this year. You're calling me to obey and be faithful, but you want my eyes shut trusting you. What is he asking you to trust him in in 2020? What do you see ahead of you this year? What's been on your mind? What have you been thinking about? Saying, oh, in six months, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. But scripture says, now say if the Lord wills, right? In six, eight months, this I'm projecting, no, 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 God says, close your eyes, pray, trust me, do it for my glory, seek my kingdom and my righteousness, and I'll take care of all those things. These two heavenly pictures, these two heavenly visions, God gives us here in 2 Corinthians, Paul now concludes it in a moment. In verse 8, it says this, excuse me, verse 9, therefore, and again, we know the context, right? Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. To be pleasing to him. We want him glorified. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, Scripture says that one day every knee will bow and confess. Think about that image. Think about that image, and not an image of like, yeah, you're going to get yours. No, because you're going to be kneeling right next to the people that are on your left and your right, and we're all going to be on our face. We're all going to be humbled before the mighty God of the universe. We're all going to be before him, and there's a promise in scripture that one day that we will all stand before God. Now, if you know Christ personally, it will not be a judgment of like, did they make it to heaven? Or are they going to hell? It's not that. If you know Christ personally, it's what did you do? What did you do? It's an exam. It's an exam that will take place one day of what did you do in here? And we read read this in our summer series. The internal things that God only sees we're going to give an answer for someday. The external things that he sees. Those things, were they glorifying to God or will they blow away? Will they burn up because they were for you? Now, as I said, it's an exam, and as we close this morning, I want, let's, take, let's take another eye exam here this morning, because a couple years ago, uh, my other kid, Toby, he, hadn't, uh, he was one, 14 months, so almost one and a half, and we're sitting in the kitchen, and I looked over, and I'm like going to serve him cereal or something like that, and all of a sudden, I see his eye go, and I was like, that's not natural. And his eye just goes in, and I'm like, Shells, it's my wife, Michelle, not Shells, but yeah, Shells, I'm like, Shells, what's, I don't, uh." so we kind of went a couple days, and we should talk to, uh, talk to a doctor. So we talked to the doctor, and uh, at 14 months, think about that, 14 months, they did all this like uh, light stimuli, and uh, all these—they brought up these like shaky toys and brought up all these images, and I was entertained. But they were actually doing like, <laughs> like doctor stuff, right? Okay. And they—they they diagnosed and he has and it found out it's only uh, only four percent of Americans struggle with this. It's called strabismus, and it's when you're so far-sighted and nearsighted at the same time. Your your vision is as if like you're underwater and it's completely blurry. And if we hadn't caught enough, uh, caught it soon enough he would have lost his vision in, that eye, in those eyes. And so like, uh, he, he had to get glasses, and, and so now, praise God, he can see. But if we had waited, he would have completely lost his vision. Believer, let's not wait. Let's do an eye exam right now. You guys okay with that? A sign you have 20-20 vision, spiritually, is that you love God's Word. You love God's Word, that it speaks to your heart. You can write these down if you want. A sign that you have 2020 vision spiritually is that you love God's word. If the thing dusty in your house is a couple Christmas ornaments, well, that means that they've been left there since last year. But if your Bible is a little dusty, that's a concern. Do you love God's Word? A sign that you have 2020 vision spiritually is that you love the saints. That you love being here, that you love seeing. Pray songs to God, that you love rubbing shoulders with the people next to you. That it's not a sacrifice, it's a blessing. That the people next to you, that you're not keeping a record of the wrongs, because we're all a bunch of messed up tents. <laughs> we all are filled with stitches. That we keep no record of wrong, that we forgive those, just as Christ has forgiven us. A vision, or excuse me, a sign that you have 20-20 vision is that you love the lost. That when you drive downtown, and what a blessing that UGM were, was here this morning, but when you d- drive downtown and you see the tents, that you turn, don't go into another lane just so that you have to ignore that sight of people in their plight, and that you drive by and you might pray, you might give something, that you have a love for the lost, and it might even be your neighbor in a situation. How are you doing so far with this eye exam? You see in 2020? Now, you might be here this morning and say, you know what? This Jesus stuff is a little confusing. Like, that story about your son, I relate more to that. Because stuff's a little blurry right now. And I'd go so far as to say, I feel like I'm blind. I feel like I don't get this. Like, you open up the Bible, and you talk about Jesus and God, and it doesn't make sense. It's because you can't see this. We want to help. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he helped blind people see. And 2,000 years later, he helps blind hearts change. And yeah. in, his, in his word, it says that God loves every single one of us. Every single person here this morning, God thinks about and knows your thoughts before you think them, knows what you were going to wear today, knows where you're going tomorrow. He knows every single one of those things. And he still loves you. <laughs> he knows what your future holds. Psalm 139 says that he puts his hand in front and behind and lays his hand on top. He hedges you in. And that God who loves you so much, we have chosen ourselves against him. That God, he loves us so much, but we choose ourselves, and that's called sin. And that sin separates us from that God who's completely enthralled with his creation. And we choose ourselves, and we say, I want to be God. God. And so God did something about that. He came here 2,000 years ago, was born of a virgin, did thousands and thousands of miracles. That real man, as real as you and I are today, he died on a cross, was buried, and rose again, showing himself to over 500 people, and it only takes two people to prove something in a court of law. And he showed himself to over 500 people. And that man, he loves you, and died for all of your sins, and wants you to see he wants you to trust him because you've been trusting yourself too long and you've been walking around blind hitting yourself against the same thing over and over saying, this is going to change, this is going to change, my life's going to change. And he's saying, it's not, let me help you see. If you want to see here this morning, trust in him. Let him open your eyes to the truth that he's what you need. How are you doing with the eye exam? Because we got one more little uh, question. Question. Now, I hope that you have 2020 vision. And if you're blind, we want to help you see. But you could be here this morning and you might be dealing with plank eye. Not pink eye. <laughs> plank eye. Say, what's plank eye? No, no, no. I look back to 2019. That was my spouse's bad year. It was my neighbors. They struggled in 2019. It was my boss. Uh, they, they did not treat me well. It was my leader, my church leader, my friends. It, it was them. You know what? If I think back to 2019, God let me down. God let me down. And if Jesus were here today, I think he might say something like this to you. I love you so much. I, I love you so much. And I'm not going to force this issue. I'm not going to force you to have a surgery. I'm not even going to force you to let me take it out but I just want to let you know, you have a two-by-four sticking out of your retina. (laughs) And you're hurting yourself, and you're hurting everyone around you, and you don't see it. You don't see it. It's blocking everything. Would you please let me take it out? Would you please let me? Because I I want you to see, and I want you to help other people see because I'm the god of grace and redemption and mercy and I don't want you to be like this I love you enough to tell you this How are you doing with the eye exam Got 2020 doing with blindness Got a little little plank eye in the room How did it go Because God knows here in this year of 2020 that you and I will see clearest when we long for the things that we don't see And that we will see clearest when our eyes are shut. We'll see clearest with our eyes shut. So my heart for all of us is that we would live in the year 2020 with 2020 vision. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the journey it takes us on. Every time we open it, God, We're struck by the just absolute preciseness of how it penetrates our heart, how it meets us in our hurt, how it encourages us, us, God, when we're questioning, and how patient you are, God. You don't throw us out. You don't say, oh, that one's done. That one will never change. No, you, God, are the God who leaves the 99, and you chase after that one lost sheep each one of us for that one lost sheep. God, thank you so much for your pursuit of us. We don't deserve it. And here in this year of 2020, God, I pray that we, our eyes are set on you and fixed on you, knowing that you are our soul's reward. God, thank you so much. It is a blessing to be here together, and we give you this year. We love you and pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.